from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. She doesn't understand why it's okay for her to take off her mask in the cafeteria when there are a lot more kids around. My wife and I, along with our three-year-old son, were planning a vacation to the Bahamas in early September. This came on Facebook. Dave wants to know, is it safe to open the schools in light of that Delta variant? You're saying that vaccinating your older children can keep your younger children from getting it. Is that actually true with the Delta variant? I'm Sarah Fenske. The number of young people contracting COVID-19 is on the rise as the Delta variant tears through St. Louis. St. Louis County estimates that one out of every five COVID diagnoses now comes for someone 19 years old or younger. And that's just one reason pediatricians and public health officials are urging parents to put concerns aside and get teens and even those preteens vaccinated. And joining us today to discuss the need for vaccines and also take your questions if you have any is Dr. Jason. Newland. He's a professor of pediatrics at Washington University and director of the Antimicrobial Stewardship Program at St. Louis Children's Hospital. So, Dr. Newland, welcome. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Nice to talk to you again. So, Dr. Newland, in your practice, are you seeing a good number of preteens and teens now getting vaccinated? Well, you know, we we have been hearing about more people, more teenagers getting vaccinated, thankfully. Now, we do know that there's still some that haven't. And as you let off with, we're definitely wanting to encourage that because really the way out of this pandemic so that you don't have to keep bringing me on to talk about COVID-19 is really to vaccinate more and more people, um, especially those eligible. And we do like having you on, although, yes, it would be nice <laughs> to change the subject. Nice. I would love to change the subject. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is not just about these kids. It's also about the bigger picture. Give us a, a sense of how their vaccination fits into what's going on in the country right now. Yeah, this this is exactly right. This is a this is about all of us. This is about our society and how we, you know, defeat a virus that has, you know, led to over 600,000 deaths and led to over 530 or so deaths in children. Um, and I think that's important to keep in mind. So by vaccinating our children, our teenagers that are eligible, we're adding another layer of protection for those people who, one, might not can get the vaccine, though most people can but even more importantly, those people who might not respond to the vaccine like the rest of us. So those individuals who might have undergone a lung transplant or getting chemotherapy for a cancer diagnosis. You know, these people, they, they've, a lot of them have gotten the vaccine, but their response is different. And so by having more people around them vaccinated, um, you help them. And then lastly, you and I have spoken about this. You have children that aren't vaccine eligible. Um, There's a lot of people out there that have children not vaccine eligible. You know, if you can get everybody around them vaccinated, you actually protect them. And that's been shown with data from Israel where they saw with high rates of adult level vaccination, they actually were able to drive some of their children uh, rates down as well. So if you have, say, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, the best way you can protect them is by getting their 12-year-old sibling to get this vaccine. 
that's one of the key ways of protecting them. And obviously, there's the other ways we've learned, like masking. Um, uh, you know, we've learned really well masking in indoor, indoor settings, especially with a lot of other people, has been protective. We've seen that with our school and the schoolwork that we've all been a part of and, and watched at how low rates that is. And so there's no doubt vaccine, number one, helps us overall. But then if you can't be vaccinated, then masks, masks, masks have been super helpful. So if you're listening to this conversation, um, we have one of the foremost experts on this topic of infectious diseases for for kids here with us today. And so if you've got a question, maybe you're trying to persuade someone in your life, maybe you have a question about your own kid, our phone lines are open. You can call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air, and we will get answers here from Dr. Jason Newland. Dr. Newland, one of the questions I find people sometimes ask, adults have had a variety of responses to this vaccine. Um, You know, some adults feel pretty sick for a day. Are kids able to handle that immune reaction that comes with having a vaccine? Uh, Yes, children are able to handle that immune reaction. Uh, We, uh, you know, it's it's actually a sign when you have that reaction uh, that you're you know you have a really good response, immune response. Now it doesn't mean those who didn't respond, um, you know, that didn't have a response to their vaccine, but. They can handle it. We've seen that. We've given, you know, we've given millions and millions of doses to to preteens and teenagers, and we've started to, you know, see and do clinical trials in the younger children, and they've all handled those adverse reactions or the, you know, kind of that the fever, the aches, and. The beauty about being a pediatrician is being around these wonderful children and watching also the resiliency um, and that and, and with kind of some of these uh, side effects that can happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at vaccination rates across the metro area, and it's interesting, like in some zip codes in some parts of North St. Louis County, the rate for 10 to 19-year-olds is just 12 percent. Now, obviously, that includes a couple years of kids who can't get vaccinated. But that's, you know, it's much higher in some more affluent parts of the county. It's close to 40% for that age group um, in some parts of the county that I looked at. What do you make of that difference there? Well, I'd, I'd, first I'd say whether it's 12% or 40%, right, it's still too low, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we, like we, 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 we've done this thing where we make this narrative that, oh, let's look at the North County North and say, oh, they're only 12%. And, and I think we got to look at the whole picture here. 12%, 40%, all too low. And whether there's, you know, hesitancy and what the hesitancy is throughout. And it's probably different on both sides. If we would go into the rural communities, you know, down in Springfield area where we saw the jump, you'd see another whole group of teens that might even be at the same level, if not lower. And so in each area, we have work to do to talk about what is the barriers that are occurring within our teens in general, right? 40%, 12%, there's a lot of work to be done. I think a lot of it is there's a ton of people on the fence. There's probably a ton of people thought, you know, as the adult, I'm okay with getting it, but I'm just not sure we have enough data about the children and that. But there, we have learned that the vaccine is safe. And I can tell you, after, you know, working in the hospital, seeing children with COVID-19, seeing children with the complication known as multi-system inflammatory syndrome, that can occur in about one out of every thousand child, children who get COVID-19, you want the vaccine. The benefits of the vaccine far, far outweigh the risk of, of some side effects that we have seen, such as fever 
aches. And so I think that in that case, we just need to continue to promote and be talking in all groups um, and, and learning from all of them as well about what is the thing that they need to learn to really go and get that vaccine. And so you're saying we have seen people locally who have come down with that much more serious uh, reaction to this, not to the vaccine, but to getting COVID-19, where kids have gotten very seriously ill from this. Yes. And I can tell you that when you work in the hospital, all the, you know, all the, those individuals, healthcare workers right now in the, the children's hospitals, you know, at Cardinal Glennon, St. Louis Children's, Mercy Children's, any in the pediatricians are amazing community pediatricians and, and clinicians in the community taking care of these. You know, we're all bracing for the net, this, this multi-system inflammatory syndrome because what we have seen is that about four to six weeks after the start of the surge, we start seeing some of these children. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about now because if we think about it, our case started rising probably early July and then we started seeing the hospitalizations, you know, rise up quickly, you know, a week or so after. And so, yeah, we see them. We, we see them. Um, all my colleagues around the country see them. And, and, you know, it's it's something we know can be prevented in those who are vaccine eligible. And we can prevent them also with these, you know, other strategies like masking, keeping people home when they're sick, washing their hands, the things that we've talked about a lot since March of 2020. So we have a number of people who have questions for you. I'm going <laughs> to yes. go to the phone lines. Yeah, I know you love the questions. I do so. like questions. I love helping out. I love, the, you know, if I can. We're going we're gonna to bring on some of these callers. Uh, Lisa is calling from St. Louis. Uh, Lisa, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Um, my question, I'm very pro-vaccine. So my question, though, is I heard that um, the Delta virus, um, even if you're vaccinated, you can still um, transmit the Delta mm-hmm. to people who are unvaccinated. So um, when you're saying that vaccinating your other older children can keep your younger children from getting it, is that actually true with the Delta variant? So um, it is true in the sense, so it's partially true, and you're right, that we have seen that with the Delta variant, we're seeing some vaccinated people get sick. What, what we've also learned is that a lot of times when we've seen the vaccinated getting sick, and thankfully they're much milder, and, and so the vaccine is doing what we want it to do, which is making people have milder illness and keeping them from the hospital, that, you, you know, the vaccinated get sick usually from an unvaccinated in an indoor setting with, you know, big groups. And so that's obviously why there's been this big push for us to say, look, right now we should be wearing our masks whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. So, Lisa, I really appreciate your question to, you know, make that clarification. But there is no doubt that by adding the vaccination on, you give it a greater risk or, excuse me, a greater benefit or are much less likely that your unvaccinated are going to get sick. And so I think that's can know. And I can tell you that, you know, once we get the, the virus into households, now we're seeing that the whole household is getting sick, which is different than what we saw initially in the pandemic. Hmm. Lisa, thank you for that question. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Michael is calling from St. Louis. Uh, Michael, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi, thank you. My question was that my wife and I, along with our three-year-old son, were planning a vacation to the Bahamas in early September. And mm. I thought with the doctor's uh, opinion of that was, given the rise of the Delta variant and increasing infection rates, and again, he's three, so he's unable to be vaccinated, however, both my wife and I are. Well, number one is you, you and your wife are vaccinated. Awesome. That's, that's super helpful. Uh, three-year-olds, as 
I'm sure you can tell me probably where your three-year-old probably wears probably one of the cutest masks ever, and you walk around the grocery store, and people like me like, wow, look how cute that kiddo is. <laughs> so with those things in place um, and with what can be done, and if you go in airports and stuff where m- most people are vaccinated, I think you can do this. Now, it's not without – you can't go to the Bahamas. It's not without any risk. And, right, and before you can come back into the country, you'll have to be tested. So there is some risk. But I think with the things that you can put in place, I think you can mitigate that risk to be very low and still have a safe vacation. Now, you need to keep all these things in mind when you're also in the Bahamas and in those pieces. So I think that's the comfort you have to decide, you know, where is your you know, risk tolerance. Well, so hopefully that comes as good news, Michael. He's not saying you can't go. I'm <laughs> you not just saying need you to can't go. Proceed with all, caution. Yeah, we all need the Bahamas at times. Boy, we, we certainly do. So thank you for that question, Michael. Let's go to Lee, who's calling from Chesterfield. Uh, Lee, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi. Um, I'm calling because I have an 11-year-old who is unvaccinated, um, but is pretty savvy and has no problems <laughs> wearing a mask in the classroom and all that. Um, But what she's concerned about is lunchtime. Um, She doesn't understand why it's okay for her to take off her mask in the cafeteria when there are a lot more kids around. um, And she's sitting in pretty close proximity to others and has a lot of anxiety about that situation. Hmm. I was wondering if the doctor could give me any advice and things I could tell her to assure her it's okay or um, strategies that she could use to uh, keep herself safe. Uh, Lee, thanks for this question, and uh, tell your daughter, she's, I can tell she's going to be a future, one of our future pediatric doctors or pediatric infectious disease doctors, the way she's, she's thinking. So what I would tell her is, you know, think of lunch as a time that, you know, you go, you eat your food, you get your mask back on. So instead of it being a, you know, social thing, there's no doubt that the time that you're exposed matters. And there's also no doubt that wearing masks helps protect. And so, and then the last piece would be that if you can do things outdoors, we also know that's protective. Now, I know the school will, you know, put certain things in place. So if you can eat outdoors, you eat outdoors. In the kind of cafeteria setting, to me, and what we've been advising individuals and people to say is that, you know, Take your, have your mask off, eat your food, get your mask back on, and then you can go about and have the conversations. I think it's safe. I think in our work, and especially in some areas where they weren't, um, where they were doing lunch, we had, we didn't see transmission of COVID-19 with that. So I do think it can be done safely, and I hope that reassures her. Okay. Well, Lee, thank you for that question. And and again, we all wish the best for your daughter there. Um, Dr. Newland, it's exciting to see people are really taking this seriously. um, And and people just have a lot of questions wanting to do the right thing here. One other question that did come through, this came on Facebook. Dave wants to know, is it safe to open the schools in light of that Delta variant? I know some parents are worried. I'd love for you to just address that in our final minute here. Um, Yes, it is safe. Uh, we learned during the height of the pandemic in, you know, in the winter time that by doing masking, using some distance, washing our hands, and keeping the staff and, or, or us not having staff and students come to school sick, that we had a transmission rate of COVID-19 way, way less than the community. I don't think, and I, I'm, I'm certain that that's not going to be different, whether it's the Delta variant or the future, whatever future variant that potentially could come upon us. And so I do think that they, they are safe. And now you add in a whole nother group. A lot of people are vaccinated in the older groups and a lot of our staff is, are vaccinated. That's another level of safety. So I think the benefit of in-person school, being with their um, classmates, their teachers, the supports there, it, 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 is, it is very doable and very safe. 
Well, Dr. Jason Newland, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and not only being up for everything we threw at you, but also giving us a few little bits of hope in the middle of, of what is a scary situation for so many parents. Well, you're welcome, and thanks for all that you guys are doing to, to promote all these, this great information, so thank you. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.